This is Patrick Wallace, human behavior and relationship expert, PhD. Anger. Anger is an emotional response to feeling hurt or injured, whether it's by an action or an event. Anger is also an emotional response to not getting what you wanted. And thirdly, anger is an emotional response to a violation or an injustice, even if, of course, if that violation is done to someone else. In many situations, anger is a normal response and emotion, but when does it become a serious concern and when does it become dangerous? Obviously, depending on the way that we respond or react to the anger and if and when that anger begins to control us. Interestingly, in 2000, a study was done with almost 13,000 middle-aged African-American and white men and women who were rated high in traits such as anger but had normal blood pressure. And the study found that they were more prone to coronary artery disease or heart attack. In fact, the angriest people faced roughly twice the risk of coronary artery disease and almost three times the risk of heart attack compared to subjects with the lowest levels of anger. In other words, there's a very strong correlation between anger and heart disease. But what else does anger do to the body? Dr. Michael Bauer-Schmidt is a doctor in functional medicine, and he's also the director of Full Potential Healthcare. Dr. Michael, what effect does anger have on the body? Well, Patrick, the uh, anger is, of course, is going to initiate the fight-or-flight syndrome. And when we initiate fight-or-flight, we, of course, are taxing our adrenal glands. Our, our brain perceives a threat, and it secretes a thing called adrenal, adrenal corticotropin hormone, and this stimulates the adrenal gland to put out cortisol and adrenaline. Well, you know, everybody has heard about adrenaline or epinephrine that raises blood pressure, increases heart rate, uh, constricts the, the blood vessels, and this is all unprepared. that puts us on hyper alert. Our brain becomes very acutely aware of our surroundings. Our vision becomes very sharp. Our, our sense of hearing improves. And all these are designed to preserve us as, 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 a, as a being. However, the downside is that under this protracted stress, these stress hormones are also our wear and tear hormones. They break down our tissue, and they also increase oxidative stress. And if you remember from our last conversation, to me, oxidative stress is sort of the root of all evil because it's, it's responsible for breaking down, as in your example with the, uh, uh, with the study, the increased oxidative stress causes cracks in the linings of our arteries, which is what the cholesterol sticks to, which is what predisposes us to the heart attacks. So the angrier so, we are, and the longer we stay angry, the more oxidative stress, the more wear and tear on the arteries, the more the cholesterol deposition, the higher the risk of the heart attack. And that was exactly what I was going to say. So anger creates the fight-or-flight syndrome, which then creates oxidative stress because of the release of adrenaline and other chemicals, and then that affects the heart and it affects coronary artery disease. And there's other damage done to the body as well? Oh, sure. Just by raising the, the blood pressure on even the temporary uh, level causes wear and tear in the, in the arteries themselves. Anytime that we, that we break down tissue, we then also then have to try to repair the tissue. And each time we repair tissue, we're causing our, our chromosomes to open up and, and reproduce new cellular material. 
Well, our chromosomes don't last forever. The more we use them, the quicker we age. And that's the whole thing behind uh, telomeres and the recent research on telomeres and telomerase. But that's a little beyond the point of the anger. But the, the bottom line is the, the angrier we stay, the shorter we live. So would you summarize adrenaline as a poison? Yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, because we do need, a, we do need balance. We, we, we need the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic is, the, is what prepares us for the fight or, fl fight or flight. The parasympathetic is our digest and, and, and absorb. So we need the balance. If we just sat around and digesting and absorbing all day, we'd all be couch potatoes with you know, overweight and obese, and we'd die from, from lack of activity. On the other hand, if we stay angry all the time, we're creating abnormal wear and tear on our bodies, and we're going to die from heart disease and strokes and the myriad other things that come from increased oxidative stress. So it's, it's, it's all about balance. So no, I, I, don't re, I don't view any naturally occurring chemical or hormone in the body as a poison. If we're engaging in exercise, we release adrenaline. If we use that adrenaline, is, is it okay on the body? Well, of course, and, and with, with moderate exercise, and, and we're not out there, uh, you know, if you look at um, an Olympic athlete, you know, there, there may be some genetic predisposition that makes them better able to tolerate the oxidative stress, but even pro athletes can overtrain and can actually hurt their bodies. And if you look at professional football players, what's their, what's their life in, 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 in true action on the line? You know, linemen have, have just a three- or four-year history before they're done. <laughs> you know, they, they, can't, they can't do that job anymore because they've used up. They've, they've created such wear and tear on their bodies in a very short period of time, as opposed to swimmers. If you remember down here in Florida, we had the, a woman in her 40s who, was, uh, who, who almost qualified for the Olympic team again this year. So it depends on the activity. It depends on your genetic makeup, it depends on your body's ability to uh, obviate damage from oxidative stress, and it depends on how and what other ways you're trying to take care of yourself. Are you giving Yes, and your that chance? goes back to our first conversation regarding food and regarding the, <laughs> the significance of eating the right food and eating the right amount of unprocessed whole foods. Exactly. When you're, the, the situation, though, does determine definitely the outcome. And what I mean by that is, if I'm in a car and I'm experiencing road rage, that means my body has triggered the fight-or-flight syndrome. So now, all those chemicals, the adrenaline, epinephrine, norepinephrine, are moving and circulating and, and filling up throughout my body. That's very different to if I was exercising and my body released adrenaline and I got to use up the adrenaline. Is that true or not? Yes, to a point. Um, because here's the difference. Part of it has to do with your mindset. When you are suddenly startled, you weren't expecting it. That's the whole definition of being startled. It's a sudden, unexpected event that, and, in, and the instance that you're citing, is putting your life in imminent peril, or there's a perception of your life in imminent peril. That is a surge of adrenaline that is quite different from adrenaline that kind of goes, oh, I'm going to exercise, I choose to exercise, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get on the treadmill, I'm going to be watching my heart rate, it's going to be going up, I'm going to get it into a range, I'm going to keep it there, and then I'm going to take it down when I start feeling tired. 
you're not overwhelming the system. Okay. In, in the situation of a car, though, there are two distinct possibilities and scenarios. One is, the one you just mentioned, where I feel startled and I feel my life is being threatened and so my body automatically releases the adrenaline preparing me to, to fight or to flee. Mm -hmm. Second situation, I'm in the car, I'm in a hurry, I'm already frustrated and anxious because I'm concerned about getting to an appointment, getting to work, and the person in front of me is going slow, so I'm behind them, and I'm now building up this anger, which then also releases adrenaline. So how mm -hmm. do those two situations vary? In the first instance, it's, again, the surge, and you really have no control over that surge that occurs when your life is in imminent danger. The second situation, here you have a chance to diffuse it. In, in all other respects, they can be the same because you're just having a slower buildup of the same levels of epinephrine and, and, and your stress hormones. However, in the second instance, when you're frustrated to begin with, now you have a choice. And you can choose to be angry and frustrated or you can start to diffuse the situation through some deep breathing, through just a, a, a brief meditation, through you know just letting it go and, and trusting that uh, and, and having a little trust and a little faith. And this is where a spiritual life actually can extend your life considerably. Okay, so in a moment we'll come back to the actual solutions to anger. The... The, the, the one point I'm trying to gain clarity on myself is that once your body's released all this adrenaline, you refer to it as a surge. So there's a surge of adrenaline in your body. If you're sitting in the car, there's very little you can do other than some deep breathing. But if I was startled, I was on the street and I have this surge of adrenaline, isn't the safest and the best way to respond to that adrenaline to actually, for example, run it out, to utilize that adrenaline? Well, not necessarily, because your your uh, you know your adrenaline actually goes through many of the same metabolic pathways. Uh, the stress hormones, particularly, go through the same metabolic pathways that your other hormones do. Um, so, running. What does it out, that mean? Well, that that means estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, epinephrine, cortisol. All these get processed through the liver. And in fight or flight, remember, the, fight or, the liver is not considered a fight or flight organ. When you're talking about fight or flight organs, you're talking about your muscles, your heart, your breathing, things that are going to get you out of the way. Your liver is kind of like, it's more of the parasympathetic side, the more like, hey, let's digest and relax. So if you have that surge and you run, you're actually maintaining that fight or flight syndrome. You're responding to it as opposed to if you just relax and recover, then your, your liver will be better able, but the blood flow will, will increase to the liver. When you're running, well, you're feeding your muscles, your heart, your fight or flight organs. So the, the blood is being diverted, so it's not getting processed. Your adrenaline's not processing. Your stress hormones aren't processing. So you're just kind of keeping them there and building them up in a way because you're still engaged in vigorous physical activity. So then you're saying in this situation, even with the surge, deep breathing is still a positive, appropriate response. Absolutely. Here's the difference. You know, to me, there's two definitions of fear. 
the first one involves using an expletive, so we'll just say freak everything and run, fear. And that's appropriate if you're like your car is going over a cliff or, you know, you're seeing a semi coming at you head on or, you know, somebody's uh, pulls a knife on you and, and wants to rob you. Those, you know, getting out of there is really an appropriate response. Okay. The second definition of fear is face everything and recover. Where you assess the situation, you take a moment, you kind of go, you know, I'm in the car. Yeah, I'm, I may be late for my appointment, but what's the worst thing that's going to happen other than me being late? You know, is it worth me having a heart attack? Is it worth shortening my life over? Is it worth risking getting in an auto accident because I'm about to do something stupid to try to get around to the slow guy? So we're actually engaging our rational ability to try and control our emotions. Exactly. And the first thing is just having the awareness that something bad is going on. So anger, either chronic anger or a continuous battering of anger, affects our adrenal glands. It engages the fight-or-flight response. It creates oxidative stress. What does it do to our neurotransmitters? Have you ever tried to be angry and laugh at the same time? I haven't, but I'm sure it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you stop to think about it, it's really hard because when you're your brain can't be in two places at once. And the, the stress, the fight-or-flight hormones are, are your stress hormones. And when you're, when you're under stress, your relaxation hormones, your dopamine, your oxytocin, your serotonin, those levels all go down. And so if you're chronically angry, you're going to end up chronically depressed under current terminology and, and understanding of neurotransmitters. Is it also true that when we are angry, we truly can't think rationally for the reasons that you're talking about because they affect the neurotransmitters? Exactly. Not just that we can't think rationally, but we can't think intelligently. Precisely. <laughs> Have you ever, like, i got to get out of here. Oh, by the way, can you spell prestidigitation for me? You know, you're, you're, not, you're, you're, you're not engaging the rational parts of your mind. You're not engaging the higher levels of your mental capacity. You're engaging your, your, your more primitive brain things about, get me the heck out of here. Anger, of course, is one part of the spectrum of stress and negative emotions. And studies reveal that chronic stress, compounded with adversity such as death, illness, divorce, or job loss, results in the shrinking of the prefrontal cortex part of the brain and the prefrontal cortex region is critical for the regulation of emotions, desires, impulses and physiology. In other words, when that part of the brain shrinks, we lose control over our emotions so therefore we can logically say that when a person becomes extremely angry, if that's compounded with extreme stress, he or she could end up saying things that they don't really mean because they have no control over their emotions and over their emotional impulses. But there's two states that our body goes through, catabolic and anabolic. Anabolic is where the body's growing and catabolic is where the body's breaking down. Correct. So I would, I would assume that it's safe to say that anger has a catabolic effect on the body. It breaks down the body. That's 
precisely what I was talking about earlier, but I, I, I didn't want to use catabolic and anabolic because until we had a definition for it. But absolutely, anger will, will in, in, its, in its bottom line, it's a catabolic state. That in, that's how it increases the oxidative stress. The reason that I bring those two up is that in the world of fitness and people who work out in the gym and particularly people who are working with weights and, as, and therefore men who focus on building muscle need to be aware of the catabolic effect of anger. That anger actually breaks down your body. So even if you're working out in the gym but you suffer from chronic anger, you're actually not helping your body to build muscle. Your body's going to actually be in a breakdown state. This is very similar to what we talked about earlier with respect to, you know, running the anger off, you know, r running the hormones out. You really are not doing that. You're just, you're, you're just perpetuating them because you're diverting the blood flow from your body's ability to get rid of the excess hormones and you're diverting it to, 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 to you're diverting the blood flow to, to muscle and muscle tissue and development and you're, you're maintaining that, that higher, those higher levels of those stress hormones for a longer period of time. Anger, of course, is often connected to a variety of other emotions because I teach that anger is the initial response to feeling injured, to feeling wronged, to believing that an injustice occurred or that you didn't get what you want. Underneath the anger is often other emotions. There can be resentment, frustration, anxiety, disappointment, loss, bitterness, revenge. What effect do they generally have on the body? Or do we group well, them together? In essence, all you're doing is perpetuating the anger. I heard a, a wonderful definition one time. You know, resentment is not getting what you wanted in the past. Anger is not getting what you want in the present. And fear is the thought you're not going to get what you want in the future. And if you're walking through life in a chronically needy state, a chronically angry state, a chronically, I have to have, I need, I want. Um, you're 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 going to be shortening your life, and all the frustration, the anxiety, uh, the these these all will also increase your stress hormone levels. The the, the brain doesn't just respond to uh, car accidents or or threats. It responds to your emotional state has a lot to do with how the brain is perceiving stress. And if you're walking around chronically angry or upset or frustrated or anxious, then you're going to be increasing your stress hormones and your feel-good hormones, your dopamine, your oxytocin, are going to suffer as well. And so you can end up, you know, if you will, in, in chasing your own tail and, and creating more of the problems you're in many times afraid to get to begin with. Yes, exactly. And when you mentioned fear, fear is always the anticipation of pain, which means it's always said in the future, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of what's about to happen. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid of what might happen. I summarize anxiety very simply as the feeling, the sense, or the belief that your world's out of control or and you're trying to control something over which you have no control, which then creates mm -hmm. all the emotions that we're referring to. So briefly, what do you teach your patients as a way to respond to anger? You know, take a deep breath and see what it is you're really angry about. Um, you know, there, time after time, anger isn't just a, 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 a 
a sudden event. There's usually some trigger that builds and builds until you finally blow up. And it's during that period of building that if you can develop the awareness of, hey, something's going on here that I really don't, you know, I've been down this road before, I don't like where it takes me, where's the way off this path? And try to re-engage those higher, those higher functioning levels of your, of your mind. The first thing you have to do is develop an awareness that, that something is happening over which you're, you're, you're not exerting appropriate control. The reason I asked you the question, how do you teach your patients to respond to anger, is to accept that there will be anger. Anger is a natural response. It's about how long we stay angry, how much mm -hmm. anger we have, and how often we get angry. But we will be angry because it is a natural response. So then we have to decide, how angry am I going to get? How am I going to respond to the anger? And for how long will I stay angry? And I keep coming back to the simple suggestions such as deep breathing in the moment, asking yourself, how significant is this? How important is this in the big scheme of things? And you specifically use the example, if I arrive late, what's the worst that can happen? versus if I keep driving fast, I could hurt myself, I could hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. Yoga and meditation are also great solutions to stress or to anger because as you talked about awareness, the more emotionally aware you are, the easier it is to become aware that, oh, I'm about to get very angry or I'm becoming overly angry or my anger is about to get out of control. Is there anything else that you suggest? So there, there's a wonderful thing that uh, I use in the office is called neurofeedback. What it is, it's, uh, it's technology that was developed uh, through UCLA uh, by NASA and the military to help train astronauts uh, and uh, special forces folks. And what it does is it, it basically maps your brain and finds areas that are running a little too hot. It looks at your four brain waves. And, and looks at how they're responding in different nodes in the brain. And are they balanced? And based on comparing the brain map, your personal brain map, along with some testing, personality inventory and uh, self-assessments, compare that to people of your age and sex and come up with things like, well, this is a supplement regimen and this is a, a program of 20 treatments that are used using photic stimulation as well as visual and auditory feedback to rebalance the brain. So this is particularly useful for people with chronic anger states, anxiety, depression, ADD. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that can really help rebalance the neurotransmitters. Because again, if you have chronic anger, chronic anger issues, chronic anxiety issues, your neurotransmitters are going to go out of balance and we need to get them rebalanced. And so that's, this is kind of like a neuro, this is like biofeedback on steroids. So in, in terms of a lifestyle suggestion, would it be safe to suggest to people to start doing things that you really enjoy again, to start having fun, to start focusing on being out in nature, listening to music, or simply doing the things that you really enjoy? Oh, yeah, and that's why I have, you know, anybody that comes into my office is going to fill out, uh, it, it's, I call it the balance wheel. 
and they just assess their level of satisfaction in eight different areas of their life. And I tell them, you know, the more out of balance you are, and it's amazing, I've had only out of over 1,500 balance wheels I've looked at in the last couple of years, uh, there has been four that would say, you're right, your life is good. <laughs> so everybody has some imbalances. And if you can if you can begin to address those, it does have a big difference on how you respond in situations and how you just enjoy life. And the more enjoy the more enjoyment you have, the more your dopamine comes online, the more your oxytocin comes online, the more your serotonin levels go up, and the less likely you are to respond in bad maladapted ways to those periods when we inevitably will feel angry. Dr. Mike, the beauty of your work and the the magic of what you do is that you do truly look at the patient holistically, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and so that you're actually looking at the person's entire lifestyle. What they're eating, how they're sleeping, what their thoughts are, what their emotions are, what their connection is to other people, what their spirituality is, and then putting it all together to give someone a new approach to life. And I just want to take that moment to honor it and say that that is really rare and it's, it is great work that you're doing and obviously that's why your patients and clients are having extraordinary success. Thank you so much for sharing with us suggestions of how to deal with anger and if people want to get in touch with you, they can get in touch with you through fullpotentialhealthcare.com. That's perfect. And there's a spot there for information, or uh, and there's also a spot for patients who are already registered that they can send emails directly in to ask any questions right. they may have. Excellent. Dr. Mike Bauschmidt, thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. It's been a pleasure as always. Dr. Mike Bauschmidt, who's a doctor in functional medicine and also director of fullpotentialhealthcare.com.